Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining a VR Verdict Podcast, Episode 88. I am PJ. Wookie. Join me. And we'd like to share VR with you. Uh, before we get into it, two quick shout-outs. Um, we have a, a reveal today for those visiting or watching the video and listening. We have our nice new Dot Lady Luck 3D models animated and sculpted for our space. There'll be a video on our Twitter after this sound. But uh, Zed here is in the audience. He's the animator. We had a friend, Santiago, sculpt them. So check the show notes for links for those gentlemen. Another shout out I have to read because I don't remember a lot. <laughs> I just dropped something. But anyway, we're here talking to Man Man Silver, friend of the show, longtime spatial ape aficionado, just graduated (laughs) and is going into a career of AR and VR, correct? Yeah. Nice. So we're here to... just graduated. Saturday technically was graduation, though Friday was my, like, last day in school. Awesome. Streak down the halls. (laughs) <laughs> nah, there's no halls. <laughs> it's kind oh, of a small yeah. building. Uh, it's good. Did you digitally streak down the halls? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So we're just here to hear, here to listen to his story and see how what his plans for the future and all things tech are. Back to that shout out before we get going here. Um. If you're listening to this, there is a uh, onward tournament going on right now at the same time. So if you can't be in our audience, go do this on a Thursday because they have them every Thursday. But um, again, there'll be links in the show notes. But the team Revelations is hosting tournaments every Thursday at different games. So that's pretty sweet. If I wasn't in here, I would be over there. <laughs> oh, but your avatar is like sitting on. Sean Man, Silverman, oh, yeah. you're back to normal. Oh, you're now. back. You were literally giving him a massage or something. <laughs> I just like the guests to massage. be comfortable. <laughs> just a shampoo, so, <laughs> rinse and repeat. But yeah, congrats, man, on graduating. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Two years in the making, not not including <laughs> you know high school, of course. <laughs> yeah, no one includes that in anything. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to remember it. <laughs> so just curious, like, um, looking to get your, like, history, like, at what point were you like, hey, this XR or AR, VR thing sounds cool, let me let me kind of look into that and, and pursue that so, career. So it's kind of like a weird coincidence, like, stacked on top of each other kind of thing. So I've been interested in VR ever since the first Oculus headset was released. Um, But I never had the money to get them or really even the time to invest in like research or anything like that. Um, But it was always kind of something that I was interested in. I would occasionally watch some YouTube videos of people playing VR games. But uh, at the time, my main goal was to just, you know, work in the tech industry in general. 
Nice. Um, at some point I did like at some point previous to that, uh, I did specifically want to be a programmer, but I kind of lost the passion for that after a little while due to some various, uh, personal life things. Um, and then, uh, uh, dates, what's, what's this year? It's 21, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at the start of actually near the end of 2019, uh, my mother sent me an article for a school that is coming to my town. And I looked at it and it was really interesting. Like the way they had everything structured and stuff was very intriguing. And it was a software engineering school. So I was like, okay, cool. This could be my chance to, you know, get into programming professionally because around that time, my passion for programming had kind of returned a little bit. So it was, you know, really convenient timing, basically. <laughs> um, so I applied, I got in. Um, I was the first class here in my town in Tulsa, and I didn't actually know, I didn't do as much research as I probably should have into the school before applying, um, <laughs> which I did end up regretting later, but that's <laughs> not what we're here to talk about. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't know that they that. had an AR and VR specialization for year two. So the the way they have the the schooling structured is that the first year is fundamentals. It's just basic full stack software engineering concepts. And uh, and then the second year, which is technically, you know, less than a year, but like who's counting? It's basically a year. Um, <laughs> it's basically just under a year enough to be for them to claim it's under a year kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Under two years. Uh, so the second year 360 was... days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so the second year is supposed to be specializations, and there was like five different tracks you could choose from. Um, there was machine learning, low-level, uh, web dev, AR, VR, and the career sprint, which is basically like a fast-track specialization year just to get you into a job faster. And I saw the AR, VR thing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I chose that as my specialization. I'm like, well, crap, now I need to get a VR headset. So this is not too long after the Quest 2 had released. I'm like, okay, I'll just get the Quest 2. It's the cheapest one. Sure, why not? I actually, I decided to get a Windows Mixed Reality one before I got my Quest 2. And uh, the one that I wanted had been discontinued already, but I found one on eBay that was like new. Nice. I bought it. I used it for... I think less than a month and then it just died. <laughs> Bummer. Wookie, you just ate the table. <laughs> you must have had an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, my first headset just kind of bit the dust very soon after purchasing <laughs> it. Um, so I kind of guilt tripped the, the seller into giving me um, half of my money back because Otherwise, I would Thanks. not have had enough money to get a headset for the specializations program. And then from there, the only other headset I could find that was, you know, purchasable at like, you know, a cheap price was the Quest 2. So I ended up going with the Quest 2. I'm like, okay, that's fine. At least I know it's going to work, you know. It's Facebook, <laughs> but it's whatever. As long as I can, you know, do my schooling properly. I got the yeah. Quest 2. And I had a lot of fun with it. Um so I've technically not been doing VR stuff for even a year yet, I don't think. Um, but I've already got 
I think I think I put on my website I've got eleven hundred hours or more in that VR was a crazy already. amount. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but it's it's up there on my website somewhere. Um I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it did that much. <laughs> <laughs> um so I've I've despite not having been in VR for very long in terms of like actual you know real life time, um I have spent a lot of time in a headset. Um, a good chunk of that time is spent on development, working on all of my school assignments and stuff, and then the occasional personal experiments here and there. But it all culminated in me graduating a little bit ago. Nice. Everything okay there, Wookie? <laughs> Some people don't know how to respect other people's time and uh oh lost the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to gonna gesture at my cat. Throw shoes at people <laughs> after the recording here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So what's your rat? So do you have a specific set of plans for the future? You're just kind of seeing where the technology goes and kind of ride along with it or? Uh, currently I actually, I basically just got a job, um, oh, today. Nice. Uh, I'm not technically like signed on for anything yet, but it's basically set in stone already. Um, I, for lunch today, I went out to meet with, so I guess I should start a little closer to the beginning. So, um, for our final project at the school, um, we basically get f like full reign and control over the project that we do. It's they only grade us based on whether or not we, you know, did a project and how we presented and stuff. Like that. Um, so we make our project however we want to make it, and then we present it live in front of potential employers. Um, and that's called Demo Day. So Demo Day <laughs> was the Friday. That was the last day of school. Whereas graduation was the, the Saturday building, right man. after that. Demo the building, though, right? Wrong Don't kind of demo. <laughs> no. Charges? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, obviously, because my specializations was ARVR, we decided to... The, the one other person who was in the specialization with me, um, we decided to do a VR project. And we actually ended up having almost the exact same idea for what we wanted to do for our, our final project, so that worked out pretty conveniently. Wow. Um, and during this demo day, like I said, there's uh, actual potential employers there. Um, a little bit before the demo day, I'd say like maybe a week before demo day, um, one of the school staff uh, came up to me and my partner and said, hey, um, there's this person who's wanting to open a uh, VR gaming cafe just down the road from the school. And they're right. wanting to hire an in-house dev team. And they're going to be there on demo day. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so during demo day, I met with this dude. Apparently, my my partner for the project actually used to know him. He's an old friend from high school or something. Uh, so that was, you know, Crazy. we already had a foot in the door, basically. <laughs> um, so we met with this guy, and he's got some great plans for this uh, cafe. And... Um, Today we met with him for lunch to discuss like actual. He he actually brought like a full like 
giant piece of paper blueprints of the building. <laughs> it was really kind of a unique experiencing experience watching him roll that out on the table in the cafe that we met at. Um, and yeah, we, we met up, we talked, and uh, I'm basically confirmed right now to do some contract work for him um, in the time before he actually starts hiring full-time staff. He said, um, it's basically like he, I'm, we're going to work as contractors for now, but he intends to hire us come, I think it was January-ish um, at the earliest. So contract into nice. full-time work. So, woo. Um, so you didn't even like technically graduate and you were kind of in a job. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um <laughs> I just saw things fly. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um Yeah, so would right after school I'm already basically confirmed for a job. I technically didn't have to interview, which is kinda weird. Uh I was totally prepared to like have an interview and stuff, but didn't even need to do that. I might need to do an actual interview like sometime to, you know, get full employment. Um just for, you know, processes sake or whatever, but um yeah, it's it's cool. Um it's basically the dream job because one VR cafe, that's cool. Yeah. Two, uh I'm like one of the main things I was going to look for in a, you know, career is I wanted to basically my goal was I wanted to uh, push VR forward from a software standpoint, if that makes sense. I wanted yep. to make things and do things that would improve the technology and push things forward. And this VR cafe is going to have some cool stuff. It's going <laughs> to have, it's got not like, it's got omnidirectional treadmills, two of them. And I'm not nice. talking in slide mills, actual <laughs> treadmills. They're motorized and they're huge and military grade. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so like, there's some cool stuff. They've got a, um, a gantry system for those uh, uh, big uh, treadmills so that um, it'll catch you if you fall. And at some point, they're <laughs> wanting to upgrade it to like these like super expensive. Uh, it's essentially like a, a lift system that will allow you to do like low gravity and stuff. Like wow. it's got some really, really cool tech. He's going to be investing in some like some of the, the best hand tracking like and uh, force feedback gloves on the market. There's going to be a lot of cool technology there that isn't you know, things that you can get at home right now. That's exactly yeah. what I need is like stuff I can play with to help progress the future. I am playing with the future at this job. That's awesome. So, yeah, it like it takes all the marks. It's gaming. It's a VR cafe, <laughs> which is just cool. I mean, it's it it takes all the marks. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, the, so there's a VR cafe kind of like that near me run five studios they're actually in the app today and they've been here before we've mm -hmm. had them on the podcast and i've been up there in person and it's awesome the cool thing i think for like people working there is like a, a bonus anyway if you don't have a good space to play vr at home you can just take your headset there and you have all the space you want but like mm -hmm. you said that's really neat that you're helping trying to help push the technology forward with, with the software and you're actually going to have a chance to do that right out of the gate that's pretty yeah i'm i'm pretty lucky with the you know this opportunity just you know popping up 
that's a very convenient timing basically um, <laughs> so i i got pretty lucky with all of that and then you know life decided to even that out by catching my computer on fire earlier today but that's fine <laughs> well, i mean shit it's not cool uh so yeah i'm i'm real excited for that um <laughs> computer fire no no the job <laughs> the, i'm really upset about the computer so uh it actually died the day oh, no. after demo day oh. i i was uh hosting an event actually no it was it was the night of demo day <laughs> yeah it was it was after like right after demo day i came home i was hosting an event for a community um, I clicked go live on Discord to start streaming my screen. Oh no! And it just poofed. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I I took it out. I took it apart, diagnosed it. I figured it was probably the power supply. Ordered one, got it with you know one day delivery. Uh, but it took me until you know a couple of days ago to actually put to, uh, find the time to actually like pick one out. But I, I got one day <laughs> Amazon delivery, which is nice. Um, so I got home today after the lunch, plugged into my computer, hit the power button, and just saw fire. <laughs> it was pretty upsetting. I yeah. So that wow. that computer is is dead dead. Um, I still have a computer to work on. It's actually a, a Razer laptop, so it's not bad. It can do VR and stuff. Um, but a lot of my data is on the hard drives on my um, my computer, and the data there should be fine. But I don't have any way of plugging my hard drives into my laptop right now, so I'm gonna have to get like some sort of external enclosure until I can afford to build a new PC. Um, and mm. I also don't have a Unity license for my laptop, so I'm oh, no. gonna have to go get a new Pro Unity license, which is a pain. I'm seeing if my uh, my new boss will be able to yeah. like, just provide <laughs> that for me, since I'm going to need it to work. That's the route yeah. to take. <laughs> The world gives and the world takes. That's yeah. I was gonna say there's got to be a little yang with the yin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> wow, that's like like a pole vaulter's pole snapping, like right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you made it the over fact the that pole, it died but... the night after demo day is insane because um, I did most of the work on my final project, or I. I guess mo most of the hours on my final project was in the last two days before demo day. So if it had <laughs> died just a little bit sooner, my project would be nowhere near as close to completion as it is currently. Um, so demo so day would have been a look for me than it was. Yeah. So if you didn't procrastinate, it probably should. It wouldn't have went up in flames on you. Get Molly down, PJ. Jeez. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't so much procrastination as like, um, we, there was a, a sort of like dress rehearsal that we had for demo day at school. Um, and for that dress rehearsal, we brought our headsets and our stuff uh, with the game installed to get some of the other students to try it out, give us feedback and stuff like that. And nice. through that, we had a whole list of notes that we wanted to change and fix things, and a couple things we wanted to add. Um, and we only got like, you know, maybe half of them actually done before we had to go to bed because we needed sleep for demo day. By the way, I didn't get to bed until <laughs> four in the morning before demo day and demo day started at nine in the morning. Wow. 
Um, How many so yeah, uh, Kit Kats did you eat to get fueled up for that? I actually didn't eat any Kit Kats. I did have some next to me, but I didn't eat any. I was too busy trying to get things done. I I think I did have a, a Coke coffee, though. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Are you going to give that computer like a Viking burial? Sounds like it. Like <laughs> I think it gave itself a Viking burial. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I I need to, you know, if I had a test system or something, I'd try and figure out what parts are still good. I think the RAM's probably still good. The CPU might be okay, but the graphics card is what initially caught on fire, so that thing's cool. toast. Um, I'm going to be returning the power supply that I bought to try and fix it, <laughs> not because it's you know, not good anymore, but because I don't have any use for it without a computer to power. So I'm just yeah. going to return that until the time I have enough money to actually build a whole new system. <laughs> and the rest of it's just sitting here to the left of me right now. Yeah, when you're trying to salvage pieces from a build or something like that, you got to have basically all the same pieces to swap stuff out. So that's kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, it's going to be expensive to fix I, I basically have to build a whole new pc here i'm not gonna be able to afford that for a little bit i'm currently i'm subsisting off of uh just some savings that i had built up uh while i was doing schooling right now i technically have no income my income was coming <laughs> from school and now that i'm out of school i have no income so i'm just currently surviving off of savings until um, i actually start working for uh so building a new PC is definitely out of the question right now. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's <laughs> bad timing. <clears throat> yeah. Or if you look at it a different way, it's technically good timing because if it happened just, you know, slightly <laughs> sooner, I would have been screwed on my project. <laughs> True. Yeah, if like something's going to happen, any time after that is better than any time before. So I guess that's lucky. <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh. So is there anything specific that you're looking with the with the cafe to start or try or is that all kind of hush hush stuff at the moment? So technically I have not signed an NDA and I don't have to like stay hush hush about anything. But there's a couple things that he like requested that I maybe don't talk about. <laughs> um sure. And which so... one of those start with those <laughs> <laughs> things like opening date and stuff like that he wants to have like a stealth opening just to test the waters of things it's kidding it's kidding <laughs> <laughs> um so one of the things that i really like about this job is that um like we're just kind of like this dev team that is working with the cafe not necessarily as part of the cafe and it's it's like we're just a dev team housed in the second floor of their building. We get to go down there and we get to let people test our game in the middle of development, stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, but one of the best things about it is that um, the projects we decide to work on is kind of decided as a team. We all get together, like throw ideas on a whiteboard and then decide what, what one sounds the most fun at the time. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, I've got a whole list of ideas that I've been compiling over the last year and a half or whatever of VR nice. games that I want to make. So I'm sure most of those will, you know, get a time eventually. <laughs> That's really neat so, to have kind of like in-house testing and and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's one of the unique things about the situation. You can literally just 
walk down the stairs, be like, hey, who wants to try an in-development game for free? And, you know, someone's obviously going to raise their <laughs> hand if it's for free. So we get them in a headset, let them try, be like, hey, test this out for me real quick. They do that, and then they can have fun with the rest of it. That'd be awesome. Uh, if it's a multiplayer game, you could even pop in there with them. Yeah. Don't get super specific, but you said you're in a central time zone, and I am as well. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. how far away I am and when is opening day for this. <laughs> can't tell you. <laughs> it's not going to be opening until early next year. That's kind right. of about all I can give you. Um, and I, it's in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. He said. I remember. I just remembered that after I asked. <laughs> so Ooh. I actually mentioned that I was going to be coming onto this podcast while uh, at lunch with them. Um, and we were talking about you know, different ways of getting feedback and stuff from people who are like really into VR and things like that. And he was actually talking about wanting to invite and fly people out to Tulsa to try it out who are like VR content creators and stuff. He wanted to get... Um, uh, thrill seeker and you know a couple other people and stuff like that and when i mentioned that i was going to be on the podcast with you guys they said that it would be pretty fun to get you guys out but obviously that's in the future and yeah you know i would be game just happen. saying <laughs> i know <laughs> um we'll see i've also happens. like we would really like to have like devs on that are having dlc come out or like um I'm trying to get like the next demio map before they like share it like bring it in here and actually show it i'm Super talking to a walkabout mini golf about their next big course about doing that mm -hmm. so if you guys ever have anything you want to like showcase we're up for yeah it, if we can help. uh i was actually so i was wanting to try and set up um you know, a time to to come onto the podcast with you guys anyways because i wanted to talk about project that i was working on for school but now that this job opportunity has popped up that project's <laughs> kind of on hold so there's not a whole lot to show of it right now um but it is pretty funny that uh all this kind of happened in sequence like uh i graduated and then you guys needed a spot filled so i volunteered because i'm like hey student perspective that'll be cool um, and we appreciate and then it. <laughs> i was like <laughs> and then the the job popped up and so uh, I didn't have time to, like, uh, put anything together for the game that I wanted to show. So I didn't actually end up talking to you guys about uh, setting up a, you know, a, an interview about that at some point. But Wait, that this is... was the student aspect hour, and you're no longer the student, and you've got a job lined up? You're gonna have to <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, yeah, it was all kind of like a weird sequence of events, which is pretty fun. Um, but He's just like, I'm going to skip the bullshit and go right into this. <laughs> yeah, when the universe lines it up for you, it's like... Line up the pins and knock them down. What are you going to do? <laughs> I guess I'll just do that. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, make the next best choice, which I tried to do. <laughs> and it turned out pretty well. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about my... The, it's essentially the project that I did for my final for school. So... Yeah. Um, I mentioned that my uh, person I worked on with, my, my partner for the project, we basically had like the same idea for it. Um, that idea was that both of us wanted to make a VR-based alchemy system 
because we both had an idea for games that would use that. So we decided like, hey, if you're wanting to make an alchemy system, I want to make an alchemy system. Let's just make an alchemy system tool that can be taken and put into any VR experience. Mm. Um, then that, you know, gets us the first step of the way there for our own personal project. And what I was planning on doing was working on that project for a little while after school uh, and then coming to show you guys whenever I had some like actual art made and stuff like that and talk about it. But currently it's just using free assets that I found online because we just needed to get the tool done right. for the school project. We only had like a month to do it. Um, so it's currently it's using a bunch of free assets and it doesn't look that great. So it's not really something I can show off right now, um, <laughs> which is why, you know, I wasn't really able to like set up a, uh, an interview about that. I wanted to talk more about like the, my perspective on stuff coming out from a student who just graduated kind of thing. Awesome. What's it? I haven't been in school for many years. So what's <laughs> not that you can say like, what's it like then versus now, but like, were there <laughs> any challenges that might, that someone well, might think, you know, weird to this situation? Cause again, COVID, um, more technology. If this, if COVID had happened when I was going to school, it would have been like, I'm either dead or not in school now. So. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird situation, but my school's kind of set up in a pretty good place to handle it. Um, so the school is structured very differently. There are no teachers. So um, like. you, it's all like all the curriculum is hosted on their intranet online. And you have all of your projects sitting there and you just go on the internet, look at what you're supposed to do, go do it. Um, you work with your peers and the software engineers that they have on staff. You try and, you know, essentially learn your own way instead of, you know, having to sit through lectures and stuff like that. And that works really well for me. I've been programming. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Like 10 years and taught most of my, uh, what I know to myself. So that kind of appealed to me. Um, so all, since all of the curriculum was already online and there weren't any lectures or anything like that, it was very easy to transfer to remote. Um, we started, uh, at least my cohort started, uh, January of 2020. So right before COVID happened. So we had like the first, you know, month or two where we were in person and we got used to that and it was really great. And then suddenly we're having to do remote, which was a bit of a jarring experience and took a while to get used to because now we have to communicate via virtual methods instead of actually being there and being able to walk up to someone to ask questions. One thing that I did before COVID hit was um, I was generally like, at least in the first part of the curriculum, I was generally ahead of people because I had already been teaching myself programming for many years. Um, so I would generally, I would a lot of the time, finish before a lot of the other students would. So I'd finish my work for the day and then I'd get up and like walk around and make sure nobody needs help and stuff. Can't really do that virtually. You just could like <laughs> finish your stuff and like put a post on Slack and be like, Hey, yo, I'm done. If anybody needs help. <laughs> um, so it did change quite a bit and we're actually, the school's starting to slowly transition back to in-person stuff, which is probably even weirder than going to virtual Yeah, um, because Nobody, like none of the newer students have actually experienced in person at this school. They've all, they all joined during COVID. Oh. 
So it's this weird situation of like, we've been used to this virtual curriculum and, you know, uh, collaborating virtually and working on all this stuff um, in a remote way. How do we take that and like translate it into, you know, in-person learning, which is just kind of <laughs> weirder than going from in-person to virtual. Because like, um, when I was going to school, we, you know, it was kind of smallish classes. Every month was basically a semester, so there was no sleeping. But like, there's really no change up when you're learning for that because everyone had to go through these really hard times. And this is, you know, ages ago. So you're working on stuff and your PC would just beep and freeze. Like just old school, like, is does my computer make that noise usually? And you'd lose any work <laughs> that you didn't save. And invariably, somebody in the class would do the Nelson from Stimson. Uh -huh. That just became like a call. <laughs> you just hear that beep and like, uh -huh, everyone would be doing that. And you just were hoping that person saved recently. And through that shared trauma is how you build bonds and people got really close doing that. Like I can do my job today remote much better than I can do in person because I don't get distracted as people and, you know, meetings and somebody coming by with a and tray of donuts or something like that. Um, <laughs> that environment, it would have been really weird thinking back. Like if that was remote, I wouldn't know any of those people. Like I would have been interacting with them, would have been working with them, all that stuff. But I wouldn't have been there at like, you know, four in the morning doing the one to four AM labs while the computers kept breaking and then everyone's scurrying to get stuff done. So how is what was, was there any stuff like that? Like camaraderie? Yeah, so the personal aspect of everything and like being, you know, you know, a student body, I guess, would be the best way to say that, uh, was definitely a little different once COVID hit. Um when we were in person we could all just interact and hang out. If we got our, you know, stuff done early, we would just, you know, chill in the soft seating area and just hang out a little bit. We had chess sets and stuff, so we would play games and whatnot. <laughs> um, but that's a lot harder to do when you're remote. <laughs> One, you have, have to make, like, an actual effort to go approach people virtually and be like, hey, yo, you yeah. want to play a game or something? Instead of just, you yeah. know, seeing someone sitting by the chess table and, you know, walking over there to join them. Um, yep. So it definitely... A lot, and we actually um, we saw the effects of that a lot in the cohort that came right after mine. Um, they weren't as cohesive of a unit; they didn't work together as much as my cohort did because there wasn't yeah. as much interaction there. And we brainstormed for a while to try and figure out ways of increasing interaction amongst uh, peers to kind of get those bonds created and ma friendships made and stuff. So that people could actually feel comfortable reaching out to others for help. And it took us a while to actually figure a good chunk of that out. And eventually we did get it to a place that we liked with um, uh, the cohorts after that one. Um, but it, it, it did take trip? a while. Like, There's not scary. really any one, you know, solution to it. Uh, we tried many different things. We tried what we called round tables, um, where we literally just kind of grabbed a group of people, put them at a call, and then like started them talking with a question or whatever. But that didn't seem to do much. Um, it was hard. Like forcing conversation is not something that's possible. <laughs> um, then we tried things like um, My game nights. My ex-wife can attest to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <where we would laughs> what? Party game stuff um 
over a call, and that was a little bit better. We did actually get some results from that, but because it's like, you know, maybe an hour on occasion, it still didn't really form those friendships. It just kind of like people learned how to interact with people in the specific context of those games and stuff. Right. So it really took a while. One of the things that I think was the most successful, um, whenever we got a, a new cohort in, you start them in groups essentially instead of having everyone just start you know as a giant mass of people um we would kind of subdivide them into like groups of five or six ish people and then we would have like a, a group get together like at the start of every week and these groups would be randomized every week or so um so the people would end up interacting with and talking to more like a new person at least every week or something that ended up working really well because the um uh, the goal of those meetings wasn't like to try and force conversation it was like hey uh you get to meet your your student tutor which is a whole other thing i could get into later um <laughs> you get to meet your student tutor, some of your classmates and then talk about the assignment that you did recently and if you need help, you've got people here to help. You just chill in a, a call for 15 or 30 minutes um, helping people out. So instead of forcing conversation, we encouraged them to help each other. And through that helping, they started to uh, become more comfortable reaching out to each other for help. And that translated into being more comfortable to reach out just to, you know, talk and hang out. Which wasn't really something we expected, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That goal is like, I think one of the biggest challenges today, regardless, is, you know, is besides is COVID ever going away or whatever, but the whole work remote because some places just hate it. Some people just can't do it. So it's nice to see somebody like you guys don't have the, the onslaught of stuff that comes with a big day job career. You guys are being like creative little powerhouse right here. Mm. Know, just it's neat to see like in those in those arrangements what naturally happens because if you guys have projects that have due dates and have to get it done you don't have a bunch of extra bullshit around something creative is going to happen to make that work so that's really interesting yeah and it kind of changes quite a bit um when we got to specialization so i was in the arvr specialization and there was five of us at the start of that specialization um at least here uh physically there's you know a couple other campuses throughout the world but uh, they just didn't seem to want to interact with us too much it was basically mm -hmm. just the five of us um and we had to work remotely doing vr and ar projects um, a couple of them were like team projects that we had to group up for but even just kind of trying to help each other with those ar and vr projects in a remote setting was kind of weird if it were you know, if they were multiplayer things, maybe it would be a little different, but because they were all single player things, if we wanted to like test each other's builds out and try and figure out what the uh, thing is, we would have to, you know, create the build, upload it, send it to them. And we'd have to install <laughs> it on whatever headset we happen to have at the time, because not all of us have the same headset. And then like it was, it was a whole extra process just because it was AR and VR. Yeah. Um, and it took a while to get used to that. But I'm kind of glad that I did have to deal with that because um, I really wanted to get a job 
that was remote work in ARVR, which is kind of a, a weird situation. There are jobs out there that are remote, uh, but they're mostly for like, you know, smaller dev studios and stuff who can't afford to just be local. Um, and so I, I was kind of grateful for that experience, even if it was unintentional, just so I would be prepared for that in the actual industry. You know, I ended up getting a job that isn't remote, but, you know, I still have the experience. <laughs> yeah, right. Because the craziest thing about remote, like requirement gatherings, if you were helping someone out or had a team, people don't talk so good, you know, all the time. Like they <laughs> try to explain an issue, and I imagine it'd be like sometimes it's Greek because they're explaining, I don't know what game they'd be or if we're working on a first person shooter. Like my reload mechanic doesn't do something, they're weird. And then you have an idea in your head and you're trying to help them, you got to see it. That's an entirely different subset of working remotely. It's like, can I log into somebody's PC and check out what they're doing? Or they, can they take a cam screenshot? That's got to be really hard because you can't log in and see what they're doing or take a screenshot. And you can it. Nobody can see me here, but I'm like drawing the headset that's on the front of the face. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, be it's definitely weird with the headset. Like if you're doing web dev work, you just have, you know, the website hosted on a server somewhere and you could just go log into the yep. website via your own computer. It's a lot easier. With Control VR, it's oh, all dependent yeah. on this. <laughs> I just accidentally turned on pass-through mode. <laughs> <laughs> he's drawn, he's... It's so weird, people. Can, can you see this? <laughs> my, my headset. My, it's like weird. a whole different dynamic. And it was interesting trying to learn different ways of, like, you know, dealing with that. I'm sorry if we're not monopolizing your... No, 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 no. Go for it. Easy, but like, You're more suited do... for these questions than I am. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I have to do stuff like that all the time, and it, it it's like having to... It's like an exercise in creative limitations. Having to fly blind and just... If, if, if you come at it from like, you know, I, I automate stuff, so I'll help people with processes and do all sorts of crap. People can explain how they do their day job, and then somebody asks me to automate something for it, and they will explain it, and then you will see it actually happen, and it's nothing like what they explained. So it's like a special <laughs> skill set to be able to decipher what the fuck you just heard and see what the <laughs> hell they're like. That Thankfully, has nothing that's... to do with, and everyone should have to go through that. You should be able to like you know, you can sit with somebody and see what they're talking about to help them through a problem. Then you should be removed like a different level and then four more levels and then stuff like that. Because it is really, um, I'm tapping my head. I, mean, I talk with my hand, you know, it's really That's a different way. That's what's great about VR. Right. You, you can actually see me now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's weird because I, I want to like point, but I don't know how far my virtual fingers are going into my face. Back of your head. Like, um, being able to just, magically decipher and having the skill set to to creatively think not only what the problem might be but what the hell they're talking about and then finding a way to make that work is just fantastic like i think a lot of people that i work should have that don't and it's not saying a current job all the jobs that work it's just the biggest freaking challenge so yeah it's it's kind of a skill in of its own and it can yeah. take some time to figure that out thankfully i've had years of experience trying to translate like <laughs> layman's terms into actual technical speak and vice versa because 
I'm kind of the go-to tech guy around. Uh, all of my right. family and my friends and stuff reach out to me when it comes <laughs> to that stuff. I even have a lot of friends who are getting into development and stuff, and they'll reach out to me and be like, hey, I'm trying to do this, but it's not doing that, and I don't know why. Here's what I have, and, like, the most I could do is, like, look at a screenshot of what they have. So I'm mostly going off of, like, the things that they're telling me is happening or not happening. Um, right. And it can be really difficult trends like that, even if they have some experience with programming, because they have different experience than me. Yep. So even like within yep. the same industry, you'll have people who communicate things differently. And it takes a lot of practice to try and figure out how to decipher that. And if you never had to try it, and yet you're in, in the middle of crunch time at the end of a deadline, and you've never had to do that, that's going to fall apart. One of the funniest things, and sorry, PJ, I know you don't do programming stuff. I wish we kind of had markers here, like a yeah. big screen or <laughs> the things so where fun. I could draw. Because if I had to go up to like a whiteboard and just write out SQL and then erase mm -hmm. it and then say, can anybody here write that from memory? And nobody can, but it, it sets something in stone. But like, there's a bunch of different ways to do stuff in programming, if statements, that kind of thing. But there's usually a for each and what a for each does, like for each item in a list of items, and then whatever you write in the code in the middle, it'll do that code on each one of the items in the list. But for each sets up a bunch of stuff for you. I've tried to tell somebody how to do a for statement, which PJ, I know you and viewers maybe haven't seen this, but if you read an old school for statement, you have to like put in a bunch of code string things to get it to work like that. A for each does a bunch of stuff for you, even though it's different. So I've had to teach people how to code because they're like, I need to learn how to do this scripting. Well, fine, here's how you do a for statement, and you're going to want to be able to designate the number because you have to increment this, and then I've lost them, which I probably just lost everybody listening. <laughs> so, like, show them <laughs> how to do the easier for, not not bad, man, but uh, show them how to do the easier for each, and like, oh, it's easier to explain, and then building that same for each on a whiteboard, just writing on a whiteboard, and then they're like, Oh, and they start to understand, and then you erase it and make them write it from memory, and then you sit there and correct them from it. Starts the basis. Like, if you can't explain stuff very well, that's even in person. Try explaining. I imagine you've had much more challenging things like that with working AR and VR. Try to explain that to a person where you can't see me talk with my hand, no marker board. It's the most interesting thing to me. How do people communicate? Get that done. Like, some of the stuff I look back and I've done it without having to do VR with damn headset on your face and all this stuff. The only proof of concept or feedback is inside the box. How the hell? Like I'm sitting back, if that was VR and I was trying to teach people this shit. You guys are like little gods to me now. Like <laughs> ingenuity. I wish I would have fly on the wall there just to see that spark. That's so fucking cool. So I mentioned a minute ago that I... There were, there's this role called the student tutor at my school. I was actually a student tutor. So a student tutor is a student who um, basically it's a, like a, a part-time job, essentially, at the school while you're going to school, um, where you can just kind of volunteer your time, be available for people in a later cohort to reach out to you for help. I was assigned to a cohort that started the second cohort that started after mine. So not the one right after mine, but the one after that one. Um, and so I learned a lot about how to teach people concepts in programming 
and I got a lot more experience in that sort of like explaining things kind of way. Um, and one of the, <clears throat> I didn't have to do a whole lot of like explaining when it came to uh, VR and AR stuff specifically because uh, that cohort didn't get to specializations before I graduated. They're only just now getting into specializations in like a couple weeks or something like that. Um, but there was uh, the cohort that came after mine. They, they started in uh, the specializations a little while ago, a few months ago. So I was helping them out as well as helping out the uh, other students in my cohort with the ARVR stuff. And, you know, it, it has this sort of extra issue to it of, you know, things needing to be in a headset to be understood. And, um, you know, trying to explain these concepts that are ARVR specific without losing them because they don't know much about ARVR. There's also added issue of being remote that causes that means none of us have the same system we don't have the same workflow we don't have the same headsets we don't have the same stuff installed on our pcs um and that came up several times uh my partner for the final project he is working on a mac not a macbook no wait no he's working on a, a windows laptop like he has an iphone and at one point we needed to do an ar project that could not be tested on the PC. It had to be installed on a phone and run on the mm -hmm. phone. You cannot export or install or run um, iOS apps from a Windows machine. You have to have a Mac. And he didn't have a Mac. Nobody had a Mac <laughs> for access for him. So he could not actually test this program on his phone. <laughs> so uh, I offered my help to him to be able and be like, hey, I've got an Android device. If you just like export it to Android, send it over to me, I can test it for you. He ended up not actually um, allowing me to do that, but that's, you know, still a good example of um, the issues that you face with this specific industry and working remote. Um, my workflow was really weird because I don't have a cable or even a port to connect my headset to my PC, the one that caught on fire. Um, <laughs> so I'm having to do everything via virtual desktop or installing it manually via my phone onto my headset, which is what I do for spatial aid because I, you know, I can't connect to my PC. So I download the APK on my phone. Then I use a program called bug Jaeger on my phone to install it to <laughs> my headset. And it's, it's a whole extra process. So whenever I create something on my computer, I have to export it to an APK, upload it to Google drive, download it onto my phone. Install it via Bug Yeager, and then I can run it. <laughs> so testing. And that's all the stuff that you don't explain to people. You just upload it to your headset. And there's like things going on. Yeah, and it's like I had this whole process that I had to go through for testing any of my VR programs. Um, because I don't have a headset other than my Quest 2. I had to create everything and export it and test it on my Quest 2. whole process. Um, Whereas my partner for the final project, he has a way of plugging it in directly to his computer. So he was able to just click run and it ran. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, uh, for our final project, we actually managed to get around that because we decided to create it in OpenXR, which means I can run it via SteamVR, which means it works with a virtual desktop. So I could just run it on my desktop without having to install it on my headset. Made it a lot easier to test things. <laughs> yeah. 
but like having different workflows and different equipment is a major struggle because if i have an issue with that workflow my friend can't help me because he doesn't know what it's like he doesn't know how it works yep. like I'm, I'm basically on my own at that point but that like forging that stuff also builds a lot of crazy i don't know what you call it, troubleshooting antics you start to guess how programs work and you just become better for it like a couple of years ago, I was doing Unity AR. I was interested in it, and I just wanted to get something where I could draw the floor and like place them, you know, rudimentary blocks and dots just by tapping. And getting the Unity stuff to two years ago, I'm sure it's much better now. But even two years ago, it was like, well, that didn't work. It didn't work on my phone. The version thing, and then there's something to automatically upload it to your phone. You just push a button in Unity, never got it to work, and to do the same thing. And somebody that when you're when you're learning code or when you're doing code pj and everybody else the worst part coding is the easiest part it's setting up a fucking environment it's like getting that shit done and like what does this actually need to do does somebody use like team foundation server or some ancient thing to control their code block it's like just let me write the fucking if or statement or for each or all that garbage getting that stuff down pat is pain in the ass and then you get it to a point where it's fine for you and you're good with dealing with the pain in the ass and the extra pain in the ass and then if you have how do you make that scalable if you add like three more people to your little team if you if you're doing one sort of workflow and your cohort that you're working with now is doing another workflow and you bring on another person and they're not quite that good at that they can do the coding maybe do the art they can't get it to you because they don't know how, to, how your upload crap works you can just flip a table. This is this is flipping a table in <laughs> VR. It's just so interesting to me because I sit there Probably like to hit my actual table. I don't want to flip yeah. that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like something else on fire. This is just so interesting because my brain, like, how do people learn how to do this? Because my brain will figure a bunch of random shit out that nobody should have to deal with. Because sometimes you got to explain your yourself to someone because they have to know it, and they look at you like you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, no one should have to deal with this. I'm like, I know, but you do. <laughs> Welcome aboard. It's so <laughs> fucking fun. Uh, yeah, and with the, the added hardware that VR specifically, and sometimes AR, so that's not as much of an issue now because, you know, everyone has a phone that's ca Almost everyone has a phone that is capable yeah. of AR in some form or fashion. But for VR, it has this extra hardware requirement of the headset that everyone can have a different headset. They all work differently. They use base stations or inside-out tracking. Like, there's all these variations it makes it even more complex to try and make sure everybody's, you know, in a consistent place to be able to work together like that. Yeah. That's something, I, feel... Sorry. that's something I, I learned to work with quite a lot while at school. Uh, while I didn't actually learn as much as I wanted to in terms of VR development, the organization behind VR development, I did get a decent amount of, like, VR-specific uh, experience with. Just, right. A lot yeah, of the... A lot of the stuff now, like you, like you said, you downloaded assets, just free assets, just to get the shit to work. You just downloaded assets. Not to say like we Google for a living now, but like if you need to figure out a specific thing for VR development, somebody's probably done something similar. You can probably you know etch it together. But that shit that nobody's ever going to tell you that you've already learned is probably better to learn anyway, because it's like PJ in relation to stuff like where you doing. I I still don't know. All the stuff I can explain here and that what I do in my day job and that stuff I deal with, I still don't know how to get games running because I've never tried it. Do like the remote the, the remote desktop stuff to get the shit streaming <laughs> from my PC onto my Quest without the cable. 
my brain hasn't done the A to Z on that. I keep bugging PJ. I'm like, how do I do that again? And he'll tell me, and I'll fucking forget. And it's the same thing. PJ's had to deal with it. Somebody that hasn't. It looks like magic to me. I've done everything else with stuff. Plug in the cable, but like, how does that wirelessly stream games from Steam onto my headset without any glitches? Magic. <laughs> yeah, and um, it can go as simple as even just like the basic UI of the home screen. If I put one of my friends who isn't, you know, as familiar with the Quest 2 as I am in my headset and just ha let them have at it, they are going to stare at the home screen like, what do I do? How do I, what, they'll be yep. basically bombarding me with questions because they look at it and they don't know what to do. So it's, yep. they have to either ask a ton of questions or just explore on their own and hope they don't break something. Yeah. Right. Make it rerunnable. And then also you're probably getting a ton of practice anyway, like troubleshooting a build or like a, a game for different headsets. Like you said, everyone's got a different headset and you gotta like, you slapping me? You disappeared. Oh. Yeah, you're gone. <laughs> I just saw a hand in my face like, hello? Um, <laughs> Sorry. Like if you, if you gotta get it working for like the Quest 1 and then somebody else has a Quest 2 and somebody else has something different, you know. How do you tell what's wrong with the build and what's just different about the headset? Uh, it's really just a matter of experience a lot of the yes. time. Um, knowing the differences and limitations of the specific VR headsets and uh, essentially your development pipeline. So with my final mm -hmm. project, we used OpenXR, which works on basically every major VR headset. That's the whole point of it. In right. fact, um, Facebook has completely just dropped the development of their own SDK in favor of OpenXR. Good. So it's like a, it's actually a major thing, which is why we did it for our final project. So we would have experience with that because it's going to be the big thing going forward. Um, and it's like a matter of like knowing whether like what SDK you're using and whether or not that has an issue with a specific headset. Like if I'm using the Oculus SDK, it's not going to work properly on desktop. Or if I'm using, um, you know, Steam VR SDK, it's probably not going to work that great on, uh, you know, Oculus device. So it's really just knowing what you have and kind of narrowing it down from that knowledge. Um, so I guess a good example, one of the projects that I had to do um, during school was a simple escape room in VR. And I had to, so I, I've mentioned that my, my development process is a little awkward having to upload it to my headset, and, <laughs> but I figured out how to test it. That was when I figured out how to test it on my system via um, virtual desktop. And I did that for a little while, but then I realized that because I'm testing it on, testing it and developing it on my PC, whenever I export it into an APK file for someone to uh, check it and grade it, because they have an Oculus Quest 2, they need to install it on their headset, not everything worked right. You couldn't teleport. You couldn't, um, what was the other things? You couldn't interact with the UI at all. Like there was, the height was wrong. Like there were so many things that were just weirdly wrong with it, despite me using the Oculus SDK to develop that game. Just because I developed everything and tested it all on the PC. So I had to like last minute go in and try and fix as many issues as I can via like testing and developing in headset instead of on the PC, uh, just to make sure that the person who graded my project wouldn't just, you know, 
teleport into the ground and then give me a failing grade. <laughs> <laughs> and that's this is such a pain in the butt sounding thing, but that's not even like that's the first like bit of game development you talked about was the escape room. All this other pain in the ass is like just to get to develop the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Hey Zed, mm-hmm. you you do a lot of this work. Any comments or questions or input on that since you're here? Uh well I I <laughs> I, I feel the pain. <laughs> I, I was just this morning trying to set up an environment for uh, a new VR project and like I don't even I, I, I put it away and then I think I walked away later and had a, just a problem and I'm like no I'm not done it's just <laughs> I want to get into XR that that sounds really good open XR mm-hmm. yeah. open XR I think solves a lot of the problems with the vr development pipeline um when especially when it comes to trying to develop for many as many platforms as possible which is very important right now because yeah you know while most people are on a quest 2 right now you know according to steam metrics and stuff like that that doesn't mean everybody is and because yeah. the industry is still new you need as many eyes on your product as possible so you need to develop for as many platforms as possible and the easiest solution for that is just, you know, only upload it to Steam because technically anybody can use it and someone with a Quest 2 can use that. But it's not as likely to get those eyes that way, especially from Quest 2 users, because they got the a lot of them got the Quest 2 to play things natively on their headset. They may not have a PC that is strong enough to play uh, the PC version. So... Instead of having to juggle all these different SDKs and stuff like that, you just use OpenXR and just make sure you test on as many headsets as possible and fix any issues that come up. It just yeah, makes the process simpler. Yeah. Like .NET, another layer of crap to run through, but at least you don't have to say, if this, then run all this stuff using this SDK. Otherwise, figure out oh, this thing, this version number means you might have a different brand of headset and then run it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I remember companies, like, not, well, kind of complaining, like, oh, we have to make our game for the Sony PlayStation and then the Microsoft Xbox, and, is, and you guys are dealing with way more shit than they ever did. Yeah, it's far more platforms. It's kind of weird. The bulk of you are like solo devs, indie devs, small teams, where those are like the big companies that could do whatever mm-hmm. they really want to do. Their complaint is like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's rough terrain, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's like you guys, like, that's half the reason we interview all devs, and that's what we do because it's just amazing to me. And you're like all heroes to me because all the crap you put up with and go through because you love what you're doing and. You know, there isn't as much to gain or reward, if you will, as there is doing other things, but that doesn't stop you. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something you have to have the passion and drive for, or it's going to kick you out real easy. Yeah. It's not worth it if you don't enjoy it. Just because it's it's too difficult right now for just anyone to get into. Technically, anyone can get into it, especially with how cheap a Quest 2 is. I mean... 
$300 and then, you know, a PC that can code and you're good to go. <laughs> you can start making things. It may not be the optimal experience and it might be kind of difficult to, you know, test things, but the the bar for entry is really low right now. So we've got all, we're relying on all these like small studios and indie devs and solo devs to kind of lay the pathway for us. Uh, one of the major things that I'm going to be doing at my job that I uh, went for the meeting for today, um, the f one of the first things we're going to do is start building tools to make developing games easier. We're going to have all sorts of modular things like the alchemy system. Um, apparently, the, the guy who's owning the cafe wanted to do an alchemy game. So <laughs> our experience making the alchemy system is going to go into How a new tool. How many freaking stars can just line up for you? Like, what the fuck? Man, <laughs> it's really great. Supply Kit Kat, and then all this. <laughs> um, and we're going to be making things like, you know, there's going to be some silly things, but there's going to be some great things. Some of the silly things include a fist bump engine. Being able to nice. fist bump someone in VR is great. Uh, fist bumps, <laughs> high fives, and those are going to be like super simple modular things that someone can just take and pop into a, you know, a game that they're making, and then bam, it's a lot easier. You don't have to reprogram things every time. Yeah. We had um, Dave the Dev from um, Defective Penguin has been in here many times, and he always likes to give you high fives, and, it, and here, you know, it doesn't work yet. So that would be nice. <laughs> My mute button is currently in the ground. I need to cough, but I don't want to cough into the mic. Yeah, you got to kind of scoot out from the from the podium. Oh, I can't. I can't teleport now. I'm gonna fall oh, if I move. I rip. fall. Oh no! Just cough. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll survive. It's fine. Is Jason still around, or did he leave? He's normally like hiding up. <laughs> I was going to say, he was, like, over on the wall over there a minute ago. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to play a game while we had a couple people here, but maybe he'll come back. I, I, We can come back to whatever, but I was thinking, like, it'd be funny to... I know the answer, but so to bring up <laughs> Kit Kats and your obsession and, and adventures with it, there's 28 Kit Kats here, Zed and Wookiee. Out of 28 Kit Kats that are shown here, how many do you think Madman has had? <laughs> Flavor-wise. I don't see it up in the video, but I see the picture over there, a bunch of Kit Kats. Is it the same Oh, one? you have a... Yeah, it's the same picture. That's You must have a, the early build. That's weird. I tried. Uh, 28 Kit Kats. How many has Madman eaten? But you yeah. had, like, all of them. <laughs> I'm going to say all, all of them. them. You're both saying all of them? <laughs> I mean, you're you're overestimating me here a little bit. I've only had, what was it, 21? Yeah. <laughs> 21 of the Kit Kats shown here um, is how many I've had. Uh, That's still of this quite picture a good... specifically. Yeah. I've had you... way more than what this picture shows, but yeah. there's a couple of these that I have not had. I mean, I tried there's a to few find that I'm a not video even... of all the different flavors. You think it'd be easy, but it doesn't no. exist. So this is the there's best I could do. Too many flavors, and none of them exist at the same time. <laughs> do you know how many um, there have been, like total, or anything like that? I don't know. It's kind of hard to find a number like <laughs> that. Um, but there's like there's a few on here that I would never have. Like there's a mint one down near the bottom. I hate mint; it gives me a headache. So I'll probably never try that one. Um, <laughs> 
There's one. What's the it? one with the dolphin on it? The dolphin. That's not like dolphin flavor. I forget the name of it, but I remember it being really good, and it had this really pretty packaging, and all of the wrappers were like a different animal. It was really cute. I got it at. I think I got it at the the Asian Mart here in town. Nice. I, I genuinely do not remember the name of the flavor, but it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so for those listening, Madman has, like I said, he's been in our audience a lot. He's in Spatial Ape all the time, and I don't remember how we even got to talking about. It. Maybe it was on your Twitter a lot. You, you were like. I was, was it like yeah, I've a got, new one a week or something? You were trying to do all these. <laughs> so I basically ordered like over $200 worth of Kit Kats from Japan. <laughs> um, and I started a sort of archive on my Twitter, just like a, a massive thread of me trying each one. I tried, I think it was three every week or maybe it was three, uh, three twice a week. So Tuesdays. There's this graphic card money Fridays. going to other things <laughs> <laughs> um so i i tried about six of them a week i think um and then i would post nice. like my review and like summary of them in this thread um, yeah, it was and awesome. at some point <laughs> i guess they they saw it and we like started talking about it here after one of the um one podcasts at some point i think it was one of the ones where you stuck around after the show and we were talking and having a grand old time and then sometime that week bj said Look at what this dumbass is up to. You didn't say that. That would my word. Like, what, what, is this guy, what is he doing? I'm like, a lot of freaking Kit Kat. Like, That's a lot of Kit Kats. <laughs> it like, took up so much space on my desk until they were all finally gone. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. It's just awesome. It's just find something and you're into it and you're mapping it out. <laughs> really right. Yeah. I, I intend to do another big purchase at some point, but right now I don't have the money for that. So. Yeah. Well, anyone like listening or watching, you can click his link in the show notes and donate some KitKat money or PC money, <laughs> whatever you want to <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the shipping for uh, stuff from Japan is pretty dang expensive. Um, so I can't do just like, you know, one or two flavors. I have to do a giant haul or it's not worth the shipping costs. And right now there's only... I think there was only like three flavors available that I haven't tried yet. Um, so in total, I'd probably only have five or six different flavors that I would order right now. Cause you know, there's a couple that I really, really like and I want to order mm -hmm. again. And then the, you know, three or so that I haven't tried yet. And that's not enough to be worth it, <laughs> which is why I did, you know, a $200 order that first time. Like $50. That's the only way. It could... yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the shipping on that order was somewhere like thirty to fifty dollars. Yeah, crazy. So it's... We just we just bought some old like eighties memorabilia from like the Studio Ghibli movie and uh, um manga that my girlfriend liked, and it was like she got a book, like two books, and I got a book and a tiny toy. The shipping was like seventy five. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's. <laughs> It can be kind of ridiculous sometimes, but that's why I got to optimize my Kit Kat buying. <laughs> yeah. She's good at picking stuff out, so I always, like, stress her out because I'm like, can't she? She knows what a random bunch of stuff sells for. I'm like, can't you buy, like, two things over here, sell them on eBay, and pay for the whole order? And then I, you know, I wind her up and she just, you know, 
doesn't want to take on the responsibility. Like those might never <laughs> sell. If I buy two thousand dollars, two separate one thousand dollar dolls, and try to sell them for two grand a piece, and that doesn't work, and we're out two grand anyway, I'm like, whatever. We'll just buy toys. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird thing about Japan, these are like from the eighty, like nineteen eighty three and eighty four, and they always sell them like you know, damaged box. I sell them at a discount. So you can get the, the little model airplane thing I got for like, if you find one over here and it's super rare, it's like, you know, 90 bucks, 150 bucks. You get it there for 40 bucks, mint condition. Like magazines from the 80s, inserts, posters. None of it's been like unfolded. It's like, where do they have room for these things? This country is <laughs> <Yeah. free? laughs> It's been sitting in like a perfect box somewhere for like 40 years crazy yeah sidetrack sorry i unfortunately have a bad habit of having a lot of expensive hobbies um, <laughs> i collect pokemon cards and figures mm. i am into pc gaming which is you know expensive up front because it's pc vr is an expensive hobby like i've got so many expensive hobbies and i guess you could consider the kit cats a hobby at this point um <laughs> <laughs> so many expensive hobbies and it's kind of weird trying to figure out one budgeting to, you know, make sure you can still do your hobby while not having to sacrifice meals and stuff like that. Um, and also the things that you learn to try and save money during like, <laughs> like doing those hobbies. Yeah. So like with the, the Pokemon stuff, I can get all of my Pokemon cards here in the U S that's not too expensive. Just Pokemon cards. Um, but because I'm a collector and I want to collect all of them, I end up spending about $200 on a, just one expansion set. I end up spending about $200 to make sure that I have everything. I spend uh, just over 100 for, like, this is my process, and it's not the most optimal process, but it's what I like to do. I spend just over $100 for a booster box and an elite trainer box. The booster box is, you know, one of the, the retail boxes of Pokemon cards that they'll open up and allow you to pick a pack out of, basically. Um, I buy one of those whole boxes just for me to unbox. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it takes fun. me like two hours. <laughs> You're like a YouTube channel where you set that up and unbox it? Because I'm sure a lot of people will watch that. I uh, I did actually do that for one or two booster boxes um, a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I decided it wasn't really worth it. It's not the kind of content I want to make. And I'm more into streaming now than YouTube. So not really something I... Uh, continued uh but i did test it out for a little while there are plenty of channels out there that people do just do massive unboxings and stuff of pokemon cards and i watched those for a little while but then i got envious because i, I couldn't spend money on pokemon cards <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah like that part there is expensive up front but because of the way i per because i purchase you know a booster box instead of just a ton of booster packs it saves me money um, so that ne isn't necessarily the expensive part of, like, my Pokemon collecting. What's expensive is when I have to buy things that are exclu exclusively released in Japan, like uh, <laughs> exclusive figures and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of Pokemon figures that I like, so when one comes up that I like, I really gotta have it. And if it just happens to be something that's sold exclusively <laughs> in Japan, it costs me a lot of money. <laughs> um, it's funny because I... I collect some things and you know i'm a geek and i've I've married a non-geek and explaining that shit to the non-geek and like why i'm spending money in these things just right over their head and they, 
yeah it's it's <laughs> you look just, at you like whatever <laughs> it's a futile effort <laughs> yeah um one of the more recent things that i've been collecting pokemon wise is that they have been making these stainless steel pokeballs they've made a pokeball a <laughs> great ball an ultra ball and a master ball um and i i've ordered all of them <laughs> the Master Ball specifically was a limited run, and I managed to get one. Um, and nice. they are over $100 a piece. But they're these really nice stainless steel um, Pokeballs. And, <laughs> and uh, they've got, like, cool LEDs, and they're touch-sensitive, and they've got, like, little animations and stuff that they do. They've got these cool little display boxes. And for the longest time, I've wanted some really cool, like, Pokeballs to display on my shelves. But none of the ones that they've released were really any good. <laughs> like, they were these cheap plastic things that, were, you know, had no way of actually, like, sitting still. So you'd have to, like, make your own little stand for them and stuff like that. But when, you know, they announced these, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. They look cool. They're all RGB and <laughs> fancy looking. They could fit in with my gaming setup. So I'm like, okay. This is worth the hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I bought it and then I kept buying it until I had the whole collection because I didn't want to go without all of the main Pokeballs. <laughs> if they do like all the silly little random Pokeballs, I probably won't do it. Like the Nest Ball and the Love Ball and all that stuff. Probably won't do those. But I got the four main ones. And that's all I care yeah. about. Um yeah. I saw those. But, those are amazing. And I'm I like Pokemon, but I'm not like all into it. And I was tempted. <laughs> Yeah, it's, cool it's really also. cool. Um, <laughs> explaining that to my mother, like, I I mentioned it. I'm like, I spent $100 on a Pokeball. She's like, what? I'm like, That's your first mistake. Uh... <laughs> it's for work. <laughs> it's business time. expense, don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, explaining that to people who don't, who weren't as into it as you and who don't have, you know, the full pro. Like, I, I go through this full process of, like, deciding whether or not it's actually worth the money like i, I just kind of went through part of it there like it fits in with my gaming setup it's exactly <laughs> what i've wanted for a long time um i can afford it right now currently but you know if i wait too long i may not be able to afford it maybe they'll also sell out and i'll have to buy it more expensively on ebay mm -hmm. so there's like all this whole like internal checklist i have when it comes to <laughs> buying collectibles and it's not really something you could just sit there and explain to someone who doesn't understand. Yeah. For the future relationship partner, you just keep explaining until they don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, whatever, I don't care. It's like, oh, my girlfriend likes, you know, Sailor Mooncraft, and they have, like, you know, little wands and lockets, and they're usually, like, makeup things. She's got, like, I don't know how many versions of those, and some of them are probably really expensive, but I can't remember it all. She's told me exactly like her, her method like you have. And I'm just like, I don't care. Just get that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> me She's got those two there. little neat cocoa cups, too. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. She likes them. They're huge. It was her birthday, so I sent her some. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then the or day hopefully birthday, you land with someone that, even if they don't understand it, if, if it makes you happy, go for it. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ideal thing but sometimes people will still question you <laughs> yeah. they still look like, at you weird but at the end of it, they're like alright <laughs> yeah yep yeah 
Pokemon. Where do we go from collectibles? collectibles. <laughs> I don't know. For Pokemon, I remember being, Whoa. you know, way back in oh. the day, like Burger King. Oh, no. <laughs> You've become short. <laughs> I can't reach my chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I think you're shorter than me now, actually. Yeah. He's... I'm under the table. <laughs> shorter than the table. <laughs> so we've got <laughs> invisible, super short, and just mildly short. Am I still invisible? Yeah. yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen you for a while. Sometimes it'll, it'll warp you back, but I can't even warp now. Yeah, I can't. I can't teleport. I bet you, From if my... I use my left stick to move, I'm gonna fall through the floor. I don't. I use this, a this... Okay, for anyone listening or watching who hasn't experienced VR, this is the power of VR. My face is now where my virtual ass was, and it's freaking me out. Like I don't want to <laughs> smell my own chair. Like whatever. <laughs> no, it just. I'm gonna sit over here. <laughs> It's just weird to me because I'm a really tall person in real life. I'm 6'2", so I'm generally oh. above people. So in yeah. VR, especially in Spatial Ape, where everybody's height is kind of just, you know, set to the same thing, unless a glitch happens like this, it's kind of weird walking around and be like, oh, I'm the same height as everybody. Um, <laughs> when I go into VR chat, almost all of the models are, like, almost all the models that I like are real small. And honestly, I'm kind of fine with it because it's like this whole extra experience that i don't get to actually feel in real life i have to look up to some that's weird yeah, <laughs> yeah. You walk by and like this table is eye level and then that never happened before oh i never thought yeah. of that because in vr one of my favorite things is scale and like being super tiny or like large but as a tall person going to a short viewpoint does it actually kind of you know how you visit like a child at home and it just feels wrong because it's all skewed because you're used to, <clears throat> you were small there. Does it have like the reverse effect of that? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, and it's, weird. it's this weird, <laughs> it's got this weird relationship where, you know, because I'm tall, if I, you know, choose a larger model, that's even larger than I am in real life. It doesn't have as much of an effect to me. Like if it's really big and every, like all the tables and stuff are super tiny, it's pretty fun. But it's not as fun to me as being smaller because it's it's something that is, you know, other people actually experience in real life unless it's, you know, super, super tiny. Um, but if it's like an actual, you know, normal human size that's shorter than I am, I'm like, this is something that everybody experiences all the time and it's, they're used to it. I'm not used to this. This is weird. <laughs> and then whenever they, you know, the people that are that height go to, you know, be taller than me. I assume they get a similar feeling to that. It's yeah. one of the weird things that <laughs> VR is able to that, you know, we wouldn't be able to do in real life. Yeah. It's crazy. Don't hide shame me, Zed. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I mean... Yep. Oh, oh no. Oh, boy. Hi. Uh oh! Oh, you even hey. shorter. <laughs> I, I moved and it dropped me more. <laughs> I didn't drop to the floor, which I thought I would have, but nope. You they fixed that, sure. but they they fixed it by just making you sh stop and you're really short. <laughs> it makes me wonder if they literally just added another floor collider under this floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at Zed over there being all tall and shit, <laughs> showing off. You're so I can't even like. It doesn't even step me up when I go over to here. Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm under my, my 
faces in my chair. Yeah. Is that their fix? Because people used to fall through the floor, so instead of doing that, did they actually put more floors under there just to catch it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind sure. of what I'm assuming, and it's possible <laughs> yeah. that they just, you know, f forgot or didn't uh, put, like, intentionally didn't put a, um, you know, a teleport zone on that floor or whatever, so that's why we can't teleport at all. Yeah, and the no, glider I, I think, stairs doesn't go down that far. I think we're technically falling right now, because if you can't <laughs> teleport, like, even if you aim at something high, you still can't teleport, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're probably still in, like, a falling state. Maybe they just put, like, a minimum height gotcha. that is breaking slowly. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. There's a million different ways of temporarily fixing it, yeah. I, it still makes me so wonder, right now, like, what anyone... the actual issue Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, right now, anyone watching the stream sees three empty chairs. <laughs> like, that's why I'm trying to stand here. I can, like... Like, who's talking? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here, I can signal my position. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. That we need, like, a, a flare or something. I guess the closest thing would be the engineer, since it has sparks on it. I can't actually even see the bottom of my menu here, so I, I forget what's down there on the bottom half of it. What's, what's this one? Oh, I can't even select down there. Oh, there we go. What is that? I is can't that a target. I can't tell what it is. It's flying too fast. <laughs> oh, it's the wheel. <laughs> the wheel. Can't read it though. Traction. Oh yeah, the the little <laughs> traction wheel. We're just gonna spam the audience with hearts. You love it. <laughs> you like ice cream. You love it. Goes I'm going to use my, my rapid second fires. finger to be able to rapid-fire this. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's like three fingers trying to just... <laughs> <laughs> we should have like a mini competition at some point uh, during like the main event to see who can fire the fastest. Yeah. I think that'd be a fun minigame just to have like shootable targets pop up all over the place. <laughs> Waiting for people. Well, I can't see my clock, but I think we've been going an hour and a half. Is there anything else you want to bring up about um, programming or schooling or anything like that before we... I mean, at this point, I've probably forgotten everything. And I'm also getting <laughs> low on battery on my headset. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I want to... I want to hit Wookie, but I don't know where he is. Right here. <laughs> He's cloaking. I'm right behind the shooter's camera up there, then. <laughs> oh, that works. Do you guys not see my emotes? Oh, actually, yeah, there you are. Wait. <laughs> well, oh, I can't see <laughs> the origin <laughs> of them. They fly too fast. <laughs> <laughs> are they bouncing off? You hit me right in the face. <clears throat> oh, no, actually, they're not bouncing off. You don't have a collider. <laughs> <laughs> Just Maybe. Where, where's your gun relative to your face? Can you, like, aim down the sights? I'm aiming down the sights. Oh, I think it bounces. I, I, it's hard to tell when you're shooting right at my face, too. <laughs> where I'm are not you? getting anything. No. This is where you need a bag of flour, right? Just fucking... Yeah. <laughs> Get the flour. I wish I could, like, throw the gun. Yeah. 
Even if it just disappeared after a little bit, it'd be fun to just throw it. <laughs> you could just fall through the floor. <laughs> um, but PJ, it's, I think it's just for me. Um, but PJ hasn't had a head for like forty minutes. <laughs> I, I, I see your T-shirt. I see your T-shirt, but not, not the head. Yeah, I can, I can, I can have right. PJ right now. My head's in the, in the stream, so that's weird. Yeah, that's just a me thing. I think I just I step away, and then when when your quest falls asleep, it like it really messes things up. Coming back in. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> here I can give a good example of that for the camera. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. That was a good one. <laughs> my back. Oh, hey. Oh, my height is sort of fixed. It? I mean, it's not normal, but <laughs> I'm about just like a little bit taller than you now. Huh? Am I, am Maybe I, I need to like stand up, turn my headset off, sit back down, turn it back on. Let's try that. Oh, <laughs> what happened? Your jaw went like four height. miles through the floor. <laughs> like Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, I'm just going to do the closer for the audio podcast so we don't forget, but we can still. Oh, yeah. But anyway, thanks everyone for coming and hanging out and talking to Madman Silver here. Zed in the audience. Um, again, I'm really bad at doing this at the top of the show, but thanks to Spatial Ape for giving us a space to do this in VR and hang out and yeah. talk. But again, this was episode 88 of the VR Verdict Podcast. I am PJ. Wookie. You probably can't see Wookie, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I'm here. This was our VR Verdict, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.